Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 57 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Gene Hammett of Leaders in the Trenches, who shares how agency owners can use speaking to reliably generate new business. Gene was referred to me by our mutual friend, Matt Inglot, and I'm so glad Matt made the introduction because Gene has a great story. Most people think of speaking in very loose terms. They know it will raise their profile or give them more exposure. It's something that everyone knows is good to do, but it isn't always clear how it will directly lead to more clients. So it usually just gets pushed aside, especially when it can seem impossible to find that first speaking gig. Gene has personally seen that with the right approach, speaking can directly and reliably help agencies land new business, and today he works with agency owners to help them do exactly that. In this interview, Gene shares the exact framework and process he uses to help his clients land their first speaking gig and dramatically grow their business. Speaking is a powerful tool. In fact, one of his clients has even earned over $800,000 from a single speech. And if you're curious how you can use speaking to grow your agency, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Gene. Gene, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I'm happy to be here, Andy. So today, among many things, you help agency owners win more clients through speaking and without pitching, as our friend Matt Inglot told me. And so before we get into exactly how you do that, can you share how you ended up in this position? I'm going to go back to because I I think there's some probably little nuggets in in the whole backstory. But I spent about nine years in corporate America. um, And I say this with love. I've always been an entrepreneur. So I was taking these jobs to figure out how to prepare me for to be an entrepreneur. Um, I spent the next nine or 10 years running a business, an e-commerce business, very competitive market, uh, very, a lot of price pressure, a lot of people doing the same thing that I do. And I had to figure out how to position myself in that market. I took it to about 5 million in sales and, uh, I created what's called a lifestyle business. I had financial freedom and I got to, to travel and do all the things I wanted to do. And I got to that place and I wasn't very fulfilled. Um, I would say I was happy, but I just knew that there was more for me. There was, there was a bigger, uh, calling for me. And, and I basically, uh, quietened that calling. I I did not listen to it. I just kind of continued down my path and, uh, continued to just make more money and, and live this lifestyle and grow, grow a little bit every year. And I, Faced uh, the biggest contract I ever had in my life. Uh, 2010 was was it was coming to the to the to the delivery point of that contract, the inventories that I had purchased for about three million dollars, and I lost everything. Wow. How? And, how? So I had a uh, sports tour company, an international sports tour company. I was in the Vancouver Olympics. I had um, 10,000 customers that were depending on me for their tickets to the sport to the uh, Vancouver Olympics. And I had done this for nine years and I had done this very successfully and, and had done, you know, over 30 million in business. So this was just another kind of step in that journey. And my best friend had, I had a contract with him just to, to keep things, you know, clear on when he would deliver to me and and whatnot. Well, he actually 
misappropriated the money, we'll say. Um, and when it came time for delivery, he's like, we got a problem. I'll take care of it. And next thing I know, we were both lawyering up and it never came. It never got worked out. So where did you go from there? I, you know, that, that's a, that's the, the million dollar question. I felt horrible. I mean, I just lost all my money. I'd lost all my savings. I lost my house. I lost my business. I lost my confidence. And, you know, a couple of weeks into that, I really started looking back at where I would move forward. I'm an entrepreneur, so I knew I would make a difference, but I didn't know where. And my, my confidence level has just been shot. Like, who wants to do business with someone who just lost $3 million? And I was looking at coaching I got uh, I guess back in 2002, 2003, and that w- really changed my life. Like, and, and the, the one thing I kept remembering is I love being heard. I would be able to t- talk through my, my issues. I would be able to come up with my own decisions and, you know, have some, some coach help me through that. And I literally made huge strides in my business and started doubling my income year after year after year. And I said, I want to do that. So I didn't know how I would do it, but that's where I decided to make the, the shift. And uh, a couple of months later, I realized I needed to get a coaching degree and or certification, if you will. And so I did that. And I spent a couple of years working in, in agency world and vice president of sales. So that's kind of my background in agencies. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit reason why I focus on who I focus on now. But I made that shift. And from there, I started coaching business owners in general, but then I started working with web designers. Web designers had a really huge opportunity for them because I I knew there were so many of them and I knew they struggled. And the way they saw sales and marketing was just a little bit warped, if I can say that. (laughs) Um, How so? Well, they were trading time for money and they would get a project and then they would do nothing else but that project. And so they weren't really running a business. And so I wrote this small little book and I can't even remember the exact title of it. You'd have to look it up on Amazon. It's still there. Uh, the five mistakes. I'll dig it up for the show notes. Yeah. I think it's the five mistakes that broke web designers make and how to stop making them. It, It really came from working in my own business back in 2001 to 2010 where I had hired a bunch of web design people, SEO people, marketing people. This was before social media because I probably would have hired that too. But I got sold a big promises on delivery and it was very short on results. And so one of the things when I got into this, I said, you know what? One reason I think they're not um, as successful is because they're not really going deep into serving one client. They really are spreading themselves too thin across many industries. They don't really have a, a deep sense of knowledge of what it takes to be successful in this one space. And so that that's a real problem for the way I saw the world. And I now I have clients that like only work with speakers in the, in the branding and design world. I have one that only works with restaurants. In fact, he only works with Italian restaurants. I have one that only works with e-commerce companies. I have one that only works with authors that are creating books. And so, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but they, they get really deep. Most of my clients are really experts in one area because they've created that, they understand the power of the niche. And I started working with all these people and 
you know, back to the story a little bit. I started when I when I found that for me, I started speaking and getting clients, and then I I got a podcast and I started just compounding that success and and systematically adding new kind of marketing channels into my business and creating a back end of people behind me so that I wasn't in the trenches because that's the name of my podcast called Leaders in the Trenches. And I could create a podcast with very little effort to me. I got to do exactly what I do best. And I write, I get to do exactly what I do best. I, you know, in all those different areas. So, you know, today I now have a business where I focus on agency owners, uh, branding companies, SEO companies, social media companies, uh, primarily are my, my, the clients that come to me and I help them understand sales and marketing specifically using authority positioning. And the best way I know to, to increase your authority is to speak on stages where your ideal clients are in the room and you give a speech that positions you as a trusted advisor and you make an invitation for them to, to connect with you and they will chase you instead of you chasing them. Interesting. I think because I remember when I was talking to Matt uh, about a little bit more of your background, one of his, the big things he he focused on was saying that you help agency owners get clients directly through speaking, but you don't have them pitch. It's not about the agency owner going after the client. It's about positioning yourself as an authority and getting the clients coming to you, like you just said. Can you talk a little bit more about how that dynamic comes about? Yeah. So in the marketing world, and, and since our agency owners, they probably know this if they're trying to speak at all, there's a pay to play mindset in a lot of the marketing events. Meaning if you call them up and say, Hey, I'd like to talk to you about the, you know, the speaking opportunities for this event, there's a huge chance that they're going to go great. Our, here's our sponsorship packages. And, and that does work. I mean, you, if you get on the right stages, you can, you can make that work, but what would it take for you to position yourself as an expert so that them adding you to it actually made their event more successful than you having to actually pay to be there? And so I show my clients how you can go to these events, which are typically no pitch, meaning you can't go in there and say, buy my program in the backs, power stack the bonuses and have a limited time offer and and get, you know, first one's going to get this, that and the other and do that kind of speaking. A hundred percent of the speaking I've done has been no pitch. And literally I had a conversation with someone today that says, here's what works best for our audience. It's And it's a no pitch audience. And, and I listened to what they're saying. I said, that's exactly what I teach. And they're like, great. So it's, <laughs> it works. Um, but there's a lot more opportunities that are no pitch. There's a lot more opportunities that than even paid speaking gigs or the sponsorship opportunities. Mm. And so how do you get started? Like how does an agency owner who say they've been running an SEO agency for three years, they're, they're doing well, but they don't really have any authority at all. They have the, the skills and the knowledge, but no one quite knows that. So how does someone in that position get started? Let me tell you a story. Can I do that? Yeah. Uh, this story is Ron Dodd. He, he, he had a, a marketing company that wasn't SEO specific. And he was doing okay. He was doing about 18000 a month in revenues. But he knew it could do a lot more. And Ron was about 26, 27 years old. I guess he's 26 at the time. He's 27 now. Well, he was looking to create a more systematic approach to getting leads. He was getting referrals. He had about a 96% retention rate with his clients. And he was really happy with that. But it, he's, it's still kind of a, 
a rough start. At 18000 with a few contractors, he wasn't making much money. So we got together, and one of the first things we did was I just asked him, like, what parts of your business do, do really do you hate and what, you know, what drains your energy? And he said, web design. And I'm like, oh, you're a marketing company. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I spend 80, 80% of my time on web design. And I go, well, how much, how much of the 18,000 is web design? He goes anywhere from about four to $5,000 a month. I said, so you're spending a huge chunk of your time and it's only a portion of your income. And, but he couldn't give it up because that's, a, that's what he lived on. Um, and I said, okay, what do you really like to do? And he goes, I really like SEO. That's where my clients get the most success. It's easy for me and my team. And I've got this new guy that's coming on board. He's really an expert. I really would just want to do more of that. So we literally not immediately said, don't do any more web design clients, but it was about two or three weeks because he got so frustrated. He's like, I'm just going to go get a few more e-commerce customers. We took his average bill rate from about $750 a month on those to about $2,500. Here's how we did it. I said, you can be SEO for everybody, but let's really define your ideal audience. And so we did that. Uh, we took a few different options. And I remember him saying, I like very uh, stodgy kind of businesses where most, it's not sexy. You know, it's not like startups. It's not, it's, it's just like a, somebody's got a skew and they need to sell it. And me coming from an engineering background, I knew what a skew was. And I'm like, well, give me some examples. And he started rattling off these things. And he's like, oh, you're talking about e-commerce. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, I ran an e-commerce business. Here's what, here's some of the challenges. He goes, yep, that's exactly what we're seeing. He goes, I said, what if your next three clients were only e-commerce? He goes, I'd love it. I think it'd be, it'd be a home run for me. And I go, okay, let's do that. So we looked at it really zoning his business in. And, and, and this is where it gets really interesting. And I'm giving you the, the, the actual play-by-play -play because I, I think this would be useful to your audience. I asked him, you don't want to be just any e-commerce SEO company. You want to be considered the best. He's like, yeah. And I said, well, how do you do that? And he goes, I don't know. I said, well, have you thought about speaking? He said, no, never spoke before. So this is the part where he, he, he has no background in this, right? And uh, I said, Did there, is there a technology platform inside of the e-commerce world that you really like to deal with, with SEO? And he goes, I work with uh, Shopify, BigCommerce, and Magento. So I said, which one do you like best? And he goes, I don't, you know, it seems like most of our clients are in Magento. I said, would you be willing to test something for me? He goes, yeah. And I said, what if we position you as you do SEO for e-commerce specializing in Magento platforms? He goes, okay, I could do that. So we changed some wording on his homepage and his about page. All we did. That's all we did. Right. And you can imagine what happened next, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm curious. <laughs> well, I asked him, did, they, did Magento have a conference? He goes, yeah, they do. And I said, oh, when is it? And he goes, it's in four or five months. And I go, well, you probably, you might be too late, but let's look into this. He had two weeks to make an a uh, pitch for that. That, and I showed him exactly how to make the make the pitch. So it's not a pitch event, but it's just a pitch to get to to get booked. And he got shortlisted. He was excited, but he's like, "They'll never select me. They'll never select me." I mean, I I got emails back and forth. He was just doubting himself. And then he had the scheduled interview, and they asked him all about SEO, e-commerce, and they asked him about this, that, and the other, and they asked him about Magento platform. And he did really well because apparently two days later he got an email and he. He sent me, I got it with, with 17 explanation points. I remember counting them. You know, he worked on his speech. It wasn't anything fancy. It was very straight laced. Um, and he went in there and delivered a speech. I say this jokingly, he, 
took two Red Bulls right before going up on stage and got up there and just let it all spew out. And I was like, why would you take Red Bulls to calm down? <laughs> He's like, I took them to, to raise my energy level up. I'm like, you don't need any more energy. <laughs> and, but he gave up there and he, you know, we, we worked through the speech and he gave him the, his best stuff. He didn't hold anything back. Cause I, mm-hmm. I told him just like, let's just lay it out there. And he ended up getting discovery calls for the next six weeks that netted him $50,000. Wow. What did that look like? Did was the people coming up to him afterwards? What how did those discovery calls happen? Here's the here's the here's the magic behind that. I showed him the what not to do, which was don't put the last screen up on the slide said contact me with your questions. So he actually did Q&A. That was part of the the 35-minute session that he did. It was like 10 minutes of Q&A. And at the end of the Q&A, I said I want you to to kind of control the audience back, get them, get them back, paying attention to you. Say, I've got a couple more things I want to share with you. Um, and I call this the polite but direct invitation. So it's something I've kind of developed over time with my own business and with my clients. But it really is getting the clients to getting the, the audience to see that you just gave them value. You, they probably got a lot of questions. Some of them they probably didn't have time to answer. Maybe th- maybe they don't even know. They didn't want to air them out in front of their competition. So if you'd like to come uh, up meet me when I get off the stage here, hand me your business card. I'd like to schedule some time to talk with you just to get to know you. And it's a polite invitation, but it's direct in that I asked him to say, only do this if you're serious about your business. If you're serious about taking these strategies and actually making them work for you, you're frustrated and you want to stop wasting money and stop spending your wills, then I'd love to have that conversation with you. So again, why do you think adding that last bit at the end made such a big difference? It brings people that are, are that are serious. So you don't have people that are just kind of like, let me just get to know the speaker. It makes them show up. I think knowing that this is a serious conversation. And so I asked them to actually to say the phrase bring. So after the speech, bring me your card up again, usually right after, you know, you've already opened the speech. You've already given them great content. You've done a little bit of Q and a you've connected with them in a deep way. You've, you, they position you as a trusted advisor and they see you as that expert. And then you make this invitation. A lot of people go, well, you don't need that. And I, I get it. Cause if we, if you watched Gary Vaynerchuk or if you've watched Tony Robbins or if you've watched any other major speaker, I just had Les Brown on my show the other day. Les Brown would never do this because he would get inundated with people wanting to get to know him to meet the speaker. But you as a business owner, you make your bread and butter by connecting with people and by inviting them into a conversation. And they're, you're right in the, the same space with them. I say this nose to nose, toes to toes. You're right where you want to be. You're sharing the same air. And so make the invitation to give them a chance to extend from where you are right now and that the transformation that you just described to them and and then take it to a place where it's one-on-one and private. And it's not a pitch because it's just an invitation. I want to get to know you. What what meeting planner would ever say, no, you can't say that? Um, they wouldn't. You're not pushing anything on them, and it's you're actually providing them value. Like by the fact that people are taking up on the offer shows that you're providing them value. And so he got, you know, the first six weeks was fifty thousand dollars, and he actually we started working with each other again, and it, his business just exploded. He went from that eighteen thousand. Uh, that first year he did eighty five. He ended the year at eighty five thousand a month. That's huge growth, and then he was on my podcast about nine months after that uh, speech, and he did um, 
At that time, he said $600,000 worth of revenue just from that one speech. And I talked to him just uh, just last week, and I said, you know, what do you think it's up to now? Are you at a million yet? He goes, I don't think we're at a million. It's probably a little over $800,000 in revenue from one speech. Not too bad. No pitch. Never spoke before. His new positioning, right? His new, I do just SEO for e-commerce, and we focus on the Magento platform. I've had a lot of guests come on the show and talk about the value of having strong positioning. And I know so many agency owners, especially on the smaller side, resist that because they're like, well, I can do everything. I don't want to specialize. I don't want to turn away all these other clients. But if, if you do anything and everything, it's going to be almost impossible for one, for you to find speaking opportunities where you can just speak as a generalist and to really just position yourself as an authority without taking some stance on something. Yeah. Here's the secret. They don't hire generalists. It's really hard to get up on any of these bigger stages. If, if he had just said, we do SEO and we're going to come in there and, and speak to your Magento people, he, they would have selected someone else. They didn't know him. They didn't have a personal relationship with him. So they would have just looked at him and go, "Why you're no different from this other person. Why not? I will just go with them. They were here last year. I know that they did a pretty good job. We'll just bring them back. But instead, and this might have been the first time they saw a real tight specialist like that. And so that is the key to you getting on bigger stages. And that's also the key to not having to pay these sponsorship fees. When they, when you start to make a name for yourself in that market, like Ron has. So if you fast forward to where Ron is now, he doesn't speak that many times. He's probably speaking four, maybe five times a year. He's only speaking at these, the biggest shows for him. And he is not, you know, scattered around the world doing all these travel dates because he's got a business to run, but he's showing up on the stage, delivering the right speech to the right audience, making the right invitation. And that's what's boosting his business. And it's become one of the biggest lead generation for his business, even though he's an e-commerce company or SEO company. And I think what you just touched on also goes back to when you're talking about how he was spending so much time in the early days on web design but not getting a proportional amount of revenue from that. It's almost like what you're talking about by he's speaking four or five times a year at the biggest events. He's really leveraging that time because, as you said, he has a business to run. So instead of just trying to speak at any and all events, he's prioritizing and saying, if I speak at these four or five events, it'll have the biggest impact. Am I leaving maybe someone in the table? Sure. But I now have the vast majority of my time to, to run my business, to grow my business, to do everything else. Is that accurate? Yeah. And he is just... You know, because of all that, like you said, he's he's getting noticed more and more. And I mean, using Ron as kind of the, the basis of this conversation, and I've done this with other other clients too. But Ron now writes for three or four, maybe even more, industry journals that make him more of an expert. And he he now he what we've talked to about doing, and he actually does this, is he's writing for publications, so that makes him seem like an expert. So that's that's one level of growth. The speaking on these bigger stages with the video, because a lot of these bigger conferences are doing their video recording, so that's great. And then he's doing putting those videos on his website and using them in his emails to say, This is I recently spoke here. So we, he's using that to amplify his own authority through the sales process. So there's a lot to that one strategy and how it's led into other areas and how he can leverage that. And now if a Magento customer comes on board, what does he do? He actually can 
give them that one video and said, oh, oh, he must be the right company for me. Right. Even if they didn't hear him from that speech, when he can then show the, those speeches, or even if they don't even watch the video, if they say, oh, this guy was speaking at the Magento conference, like he knows his stuff, like, all right, we, we know who we want to work with. So my tagline, and, and my clients actually gave me this, uh, Andy, is be the choice, not just a choice. That's what I that's what I work with people in the marketing world to to really position themselves, and it goes back to those days of those people selling me, and I wasted a bunch of money to really be the choice. You know, I chose them, yes, but they didn't get the results for me, and so I really believe that we we should look at the results that we're getting in our business and be able to stack that that results. Every marketing company that I ever work with, I think Ron included. Every time I say, well, you know, what are the results you get for your clients? And he goes, well, that's really hard to figure out. And I go, yeah, but that's your job. Like you're in marketing. Like, are you driving leads? Yes. Now, it's really funny how I'm a coach. And now people will ask me, like, are you, what impact are you making as a coach? And I go, oh, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you the story about Ron. Let me tell you the story about Jason. Let me tell you the story about Derek and Stephanie and, and Adam and, <laughs> you know, so I could tell those stories and they all are based on results. And so thinking about your business to be the choice, you want to position yourself not only with the right market, with the right messaging, but with the right authority. And then using the stage is the best way to do that. And then doing, doing it so well that it, you're building walls up around your business that others cannot p- penetrate and get inside that. If you, if it's an, if it's an RFP, I only put out, uh, only did RFPs when I was uniquely qualified to to win that RFP. I didn't do many of them, but every time I went into it, I won because I knew that rule. That's just such a powerful mindset shift from the way a lot of agency owners are approaching business, where they're trying to compete on price, they're trying to compete on all these things, they're they're trying to compete, and ultimately, what you're saying is be so uniquely different have this authority about it that you're not really competing you're the choice it's you have your positioning lined up exactly with what your target market needs that when they see you you're the choice it's not a competition anymore you said it well (laughs) but i'm curious i want to i want to go back a little bit and get into some of the specifics so for ron's like first pitch you said he gave the pitch he was then shortlisted what does that process even look like? Am I, if I am an agent trying to do this, who am I emailing him and what am I saying to actually get on their radar? All right, that's that's a good one. Um, first thing you want to do is identify what what is the right audience, right? Once you identify the audience, which is the people you want to go after. So we'll we'll use one of my clients, a different client than uh, uh, Ron. We'll use um, Derek. Derek is a branding company. They do a lot of design work for speakers. So he he used to work with a lot of different people, um, a lot of different industries. He went to networking events. He got a lot of referrals. He built a pretty stable business just taking those referrals and building his business the, the traditional way, the, what, the way most people do. Now, we've been working together for a while, and he wanted to find his niche, and he never really found it until about six or eight months ago. So his audience is speakers, and we know it's not just any speakers. It's not new speakers. It's ones that are already speaking. They're already getting about 5,000, and it's also not 
big time speakers that are that are working, you know, hundred thousand dollars plus because they're they're hiring agencies to do their work and they're spending, you know, fifty thousand dollars on a website or something. So he's got this sweet spot, and that's what I call the profitable niche, right? You got a target market, you drill into the niche, and then you drill into the the very bullseye of that is the profitable niche. And for him, it's this it's those speakers at around five thousand five to ten thousand. Um, and so that's the big that's that's the beginning realms of a professional speaker. Now he's done, I think he told me the other day, he's done like 16 different websites in the last six months. So he's building this, this portfolio in this audience, stacking successes, really getting clear. Now we just had a conversation the other day about speaking. Well, where should he speak? Should he speak to coaches? He could speak to coaches because coaches sometimes like to speak like me, right? So he could. I'm in his target market, but I'm not in his profitable niche. Would it be better off to like go, all right, well, where are those? Where are the people in the profitable niche? Well, there's a monthly meeting in almost every major city for with a group called National Speakers Association. So what do they do at those meetings? I know what they do at those meetings, and he does too now, but he he goes, well, they have an education component. They bring in speakers from outside the country that are experts in their their area, and they 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 train the class on something, right? One, one week it might be storytelling, one week it might be humor or month, and one month it might be how to use video. What if one of those sessions was how to get your website to generate you speaking business? And so he contacts the education chair. So you've got to find out who the person is that makes that decision. Every industry is going to – it might be a different title. But if you're going after a specific industry, there's an association for that industry. And so you identify the places you want to speak. And then you identify the, the individual people that you could reach out to. And one simple thing and – and I give this away to people so it's not necessarily – magic here, but I have a 40 word template that I give away that determines is someone the right person that does speaker selection for their events. It's 40 words, right? And why is it 40 words? Because most people are reading on their phone and they don't have a chance to read the eight paragraphs that most people put in those initial emails. And so I've learned that if we really got to the essence of this and we're all we're really trying to do is like, who is the right person to select speakers for this event? And you don't want it to come off as a broadcast, so you you filled, you put in there actually the date of that event, and you put in there the location. You can even put in the city. So it looks like it's a very short, very personalized message, and you're just trying to confirm, basically, are you the right person or is it someone else? And usually they'll tell you. Like it's a pretty pretty high success rate in those in, when they're getting it and opening it up. They're going, oh, I'm not the right person. You need to talk to Susan. Here's Susan's email address. Like they give it to you. If if you talk to like anyone in the kind of the the cold calling, cold emailing world uh, and like startups, that's one of the main tactics is that they'll email high high up in the organization to try and figure out who they should be talking to. And one, a lot of times, is not the right person. And what what they'll do is they'll just forward it over to the correct person. And then not only do you easily figure out who to talk to, but you also have someone else that they know, kind of like peer pressuring them, like, oh, you really should respond to this now. Yes, especially if you've gone up higher in the organization and let's say the CEO, Frank, Frank says, here, you need to talk to Susan. And then you send the email that says, Frank asked me to talk to you. 
right? She's going to reply, blah, reply. And if you if you CC him on it, oh wow, he's she's really going to reply. So, I mean, it really is that you know, it's a long way to get to. You got to find the right places. You got to you got to you got to know your audience. You got to you got to pull that list together. And it really is just thinking it through. It's pretty simple for me because I do it all the time. But most people get caught up with, but I can't speak here too, or this would be really cool. And and you can do that, and and I call those practice events. But if you really understand your profitable niche and you really understood where there might be 50, 60% of the audience is really perfect for you and ready to make that decision, you're going to find you're going to get customers from it. But the times when you speak outside of that, consider that practice. And if you get a client from it, great. I used to speak at WordCamps. How many web designers do you think would be at WordCamps? A lot. <laughs> Right, and they're self-selecting themselves into that track, if you will, the agency track or the business 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 building track or whatever it may be. And I spoke at like, I don't know, ten different WordCamps, and then also Drupal, and also uh, some of the other kind of different platforms, all specifically on that business track. And they're self-selecting themselves into those meetings. So much of this ties back to just eighty twenty thinking, power laws, where, like you said, you can speak to the biggest audience but if no one or only very few people there are in your profitable niche there's probably better uses of your time and is there value in getting a guest post or going on a podcast or speaking at a big huge event probably if you want to put up a logo on your website you want to do other things like that to to build your just more general authority but to land clients you need to first go where those clients are and they're not they don't need to be these big events, as long as there are enough of your potential clients there. I mean, some of the best events I had were 40, 50 people. And they were chocker block full, if you will, if you're a little bit of an English background, full of my ideal client. And 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 again, I only get like one of my best speaking opportunities for me. I've never made 800,000 like Ron did. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't sell an, an SEO package. I don't you know, have retainers that last for two years and, and whatnot. But I do, I did speak in an event um, in Chicago two years ago. I got five clients immediately. As I remember, there were about 75 people in the room, so it wasn't a huge room. I got five clients immediately. It was, it was a very low-cost offer that I offered at the time. I don't even offer that now. And I w- did that for about nine months. And then about about month 12, I had someone call me up who downloaded that that free ebook that I talked about. I did I made it free for that one day. I think it's like 299 up there right now. He remembered the book. And so he found my email. He reached out to me and said, I remember you gave the speech. Can we talk about, you know, you coaching me? So we had that conversation. That was two and a half years ago. Now I've added not only that client, but I had another one come back to me two years later and she's still with me. So that one speech and I spent a thousand bucks to get there. The flight, the hotel, the food, the rental car, all that stuff was about a thousand, give or take. And I've done over fifty thousand dollars in revenue from that one speech. It took time. Like it took it wasn't like this get rich quick th- kind of thing. It's taken time and I'm still working with those clients. I'll still be working with them probably for another six months, maybe a year. I'm gonna stop Gene right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. 
HubStaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called HubStaff Talent that makes it easier for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, HubStaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use HubStaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff.com. All right, let's get back to Gene. How does the podcasting for you fit into this? Do you see it as just another platform to speak to an audience or is there more to it? Uh, can I be honest with you? Yeah. Uh, not enough honesty in this world. I love doing <laughs> the podcast. Like I absolutely love it. And I have connected with some amazing people. I got to interview um, a lot of speakers, a lot of best-selling authors. I can pick up and read a book. And so it's built my network out really huge. And that's been the biggest benefit from it. I've gotten clients from the podcast. Uh, I, I get people who listen to, to two, three, four, five episodes um, that, that hear me from the stage and it kind of deepens their, they know I'm the right person for them. Um, but it, it hasn't like my download numbers are not huge. Like they're not just like taken off and like, you know, I'm not, I'm not internet famous because of my podcast. And I kind of hoped I would be like, I was kind of disappointed that I didn't have, uh, 10,000 the first month and it continued to enter, you know, grow at a rate of 10% a month forever. Um, it's less than 10,000 a month now. I'm not sure why, but people love my podcast. They love it. And, and I say all this being honest with you, like it has helped me get on stages, really not big, nice stages that have generated business for me. But, and I get clients from it every once in a while, but the podcast is a very small piece of my lead source. If you will, mm-hmm. it's speaking's number one. Um, referrals are number two. And then podcast is number three. And what about going on other podcasts? Because I noticed that doing some research to get ready for this episode, usually what I'll do is I'll be like, oh, like I'll see what other interviews they've done, check a few of those out. And you have done a lot of interviews. Is that what is your approach to that? Is that something that you enjoy doing? Do you see it as a way to grow your audience or what makes you pursue those opportunities? So I get more business going on other people's podcasts. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've, I've heard time and time again. Um, my theory is, can I share it with you? Yeah. I am getting more, I'm positioned as an expert when I am being interviewed versus when I interview someone else. Uh, interesting. So one of the strategies, if you have a podcast, is to interview people that you want to be on their show because you can build relationships from there it doesn't seem like you're just like, hey, 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 pick me, pick me. You could build a real relationship with someone and say, hey, you know, when the time's right, I'd love to be on your show. Um, you know, I don't know how you schedule things. Let me know when you when we can talk about it. Or at the end of the interview, say, hey, you know, I've been listening to your show. It's been fantastic. I really appreciate it. it you know, a goal of mine would be to be on there someday. And some of the bigger shows, I mean, it's hard to get on. But it's worth it when you get there. Some of the smaller shows, they literally will immediately go, oh, sure, you should be on my show. Come on. 
right? It's just so simple. The podcast, one, is something you do enjoy. There are some benefits that are right there that you have gotten a few clients, but a lot of it is it, it opens up other opportunities for you. Like, what does next quarter look like for you? Are you doing a lot of speaking yourself or what? how do you see yourself growing the business from here? Very good question. I was totally wrong about what my first, first quarter would look like. Um, I have a book that, that I finished up this summer and I had planned on getting the editing done and so that January would be launch day or launch month, week, whatever. And um, we're not finished through the editing process. <laughs> uh, my the, the people I hired to help me have, have, have uh, taken a lot longer than I thought. So a couple of weeks ago, I looked back at my business and I said, you know what? I got to completely revamp what I thought I would be doing first quarter because I was so excited about having a book and just getting on stages. And at this point in my, in kind of my experience, I can get speaking fees, which is great, but I can also get speaking fees and get clients at the same time. I have really shifted my focus to my own speaking, but then something else came up. My own speaking, I've got four or five gigs already planned for the, for the first part of the year. Um, I only do about 10 gigs a year, so it's about what I need for the first half. Um, I've actually gotten much more. I've created what I call the Dream 25 for myself, and it's in marketing. I want to show up on five or ten of these really huge, huge events, and I'm going to leverage my book to get there. And since my book's not out yet, it's kind of put me a little bit behind the eight ball, but that's one piece to my, my, my strategy for the first quarter. And then the second piece is I've showed so many people how to speak to get clients that I've, I've created a program and I've created a coaching, a kind of group coaching experience that goes with that. And it's all focused around how do you use speaking to, to really get yourself on stages. And I'm going to launch the first quarter out really focused on building, getting that program full and up to speed. How does the book fit in with everything? Is it purely something – because I've seen a few different ways of doing this. There's one, there's like a – if you look at like the Chet Holmes kind of sales machine style, you can can mail it to people. You can use it to just build authority without actually focusing too much on like what's in the book. Or then you have the other ones where they just like, all right, I want to pack a ton of value into this book. How do you see the book? Is it a combination of the two, something different, or or where do you stand? So – I'm familiar with Chet Holmes and I actually have one of his books, the ultimate sales machine. And it's not a thin book. Like it's a very, very proper book, right? When I say thin, I mean like light on content. It has got some strategies that I use today um, and think through because I think he's a master. And I, but I knew, I know a lot of people that say, just get a book out there. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it's good. It'll get you in media. It'll get you on TV. It'll get you speaking engagements. I don't, I don't believe in that because it's got my name to it. It's got really my heart and soul in it. And if you're going to do something, you might as well do it right. Um, so this book is, is really, it's called the trap of success. I don't think I shared that with you you guys so far. And it really goes back. If you think back my, when I had the other business and I said I wasn't fulfilled and that I was successful, but I wasn't, I didn't really have reached the potential that I wanted to and I'm losing it all. Now I can look back and go, wow, I could have made some different choices then. I could, you know, I would, I made a choice specifically based on comfort 
and I was in in a comfort zone of of income and 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 freedom, and so that was really frustrating for me to to go back and look at that right now, and so I wrote a book because I think a lot of people get trapped by their success. So that's the name of the book. And then the subtitle kind of gives you a little bit more descriptive, which is about how to make the shift from success to significance. So the book is about how do you create significance with the work you're doing and fulfillment. Do you have an updated timeline for when you're hoping that will be published? I wish I could give you the date. <laughs> I, I, I've moved it and I, I feel uncomfortable even saying that it's going to be March. Um, I'd, I want to get it out as quickly as possible this year. I do feel like the first quarter is going to be completely focused on uh, my program, Authority Camp. And then I really feel like that I I want to get it out bad because I know you don't need a book to get on stages. But at the higher levels, at the levels where they're starting to pay you, they're, at the levels they really, really want you to, to, to be an authority, I got asked a lot about where's – What's my book called? And so I've done, you know, I caught to 150, 200 meeting planners last year and, and half of them are saying, what's your book? And I go, didn't have one. And so the other half were like, uh, they go, oh, I'm writing the trap of success. Oh, I love that. And they would book me for that speech. Um, so that's kind of, did I answer all the questions in there? I think so. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed hearing that honest perspective on how you look at it and what you're you're hoping to do it for. Because like you said, there are a lot of people that say a book's a book. If you just have a book, it will help. And you've admitted that it will, but I also like that you've said, you know what? While a book will help me, I want it to be the book. I want it to be something I can be proud of. So I appreciate you took that stance on that. But I, I want to talk a little bit before we wrap up about the, the course that you're going to be putting out there. What was that called again? Uh, Authority Camp. Okay. What is it, I guess, is the best way to phrase that question. Um, so there's a lot of programs out there that teach people how to be paid speakers. I, I have friends that have those. I have people that coach on that. And it is a different approach than taking a business owner who has a, you know, a professional services, whether it be, you know, design or branding or, or even coaching or something like that, and, and showing them how to use speaking to really accelerate their authority and increase their revenues. Um, and so I created a program that kind of filled a gap in the market that, that didn't do the paid speaking and also it doesn't do the, the speak to pitch. Um, so there's a lot of programs out there that, that show you how to pitch your programs. So I just show people how to get speaking gigs, like how do you find the right ones and how do you get yourself booked? How do you create a speech that actually will get, connect with the audience and then how to deliver that speech that maximizes connection and that's really the essence of it. Uh, there's a few more kind of things I've thrown in there with it to make it really powerful. I've been looking at my own marketing, and one of the things I really believe, and I help people discover this for themselves, it's called a unique mechanism. So when you have, I talked about this with Matt um, a few weeks ago with his product and his program. You know, when we are looking at comparing buying from you versus someone else, we're looking at what, why should we buy from you? Like what, what is special about what you have to offer? So it's kind of like be the choice, not just a choice. Well, I always say that unique is better than better. If you can find something unique about what you offer and people will re resonate with that and they believe that that's important 
and you have marketed that that is truly important, then that's what will get people to take action, whether it be from the stage or whether they're on your website. So a unique mechanism really paints a picture of what's unique about what you have to offer, whether it be your service or your program. And so inside of, just to give you an example with Authority Camp, I had to go find out what my unique mechanisms. I created this about 15 months ago, and I've put probably two dozen people through the program through my private one-on-one coaching. So it's not something I've opened up as a group program, but I was looking at this and I go, what makes this unique? What makes this unique? And I kept challenging myself, and I had some people kind of challenge me that that understood marketing. And so what came out of this, you've probably heard me say this today, and maybe it, maybe I get a chance to explain it, is it's about connection. If you want an audience to take a speech and take action from it, come up and give you their business cards, then you must connect with them. You must build know, like, and trust. And connection is something that a lot of people don't think about. And I actually think you can, you can actually, connection is more important than communication. And communication is where people think about what I need to say. Connections about what does the audience need to feel through this, this speech? What are the contrast levels? How do I open myself up? How do I use humor? Or how do I use story? Or how do I use what's available to me to maximize connection with the audience so the people that are ready to do business will see me as the choice, not just a choice? And, and the same thing I use with delivery. There are things that take people away from the delivery. There's many examples in delivery, but if you spend 80% of the speech using I and me, what happens with the audience? They're not going to be as engaged because it just you listen to someone talk about themselves. Right. What if you've spent 80% talking about you and about your problems and about how you can grow and how you could take this strategy, you could do this? Different, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're starting to visualize it. You're starting to see it as more of a conversation. You you get into the mindset of, oh, they're speaking to me. Let's let's think about how this could change my life, how this could impact me. So there's literally dozens of those factors that when you understand what they are, if you have awareness to connection, that you can maximize your ability to deliver to the audience. And so a lot of people will go, well, Gene, I'm just giving a speech about the seven SEO tips for Magento right? Great. That means that when you deliver it using a connection framework, then you will actually be seen differently than what anybody else would be expecting. You'll be able to tell a heartfelt story about why SEO is something that you believe is important and that you'll be able to leave them on with, with something before they really know who you are. There definitely is a huge difference between someone just rattling off seven quick tips to do this and and someone who can actually leave that impression that that's deeper than that. I'm already kind of got my brain off track a little bit just thinking about all the possibilities with that. But so if listeners do want to look more into Authority Camp or other things that you offer, where's the best place for them to go to do that? I'm going to give you a spe- special URL. All right. Do you think it should be agency? <laughs> I think that should probably be involved. <laughs> okay, so let's do um, leadersinthetrenches.com forward slash agency. And so what what you'll get there is, I remember I said something about a 40-word template. It's it's just the easiest place to start. If you think you might want to speak someday, go ahead and download that template. It's 40 words. The idea is to use it to figure out who the decision maker is for that one event you'd like to speak at. Once you do that, I'll, I'll send you a couple of more things that go with that. 
And then I'll share you, with you maybe some training around, you know, what is it like to speak and how do you do this? And you can just kind of just, you know, build your own story from there. But it's just a, a really easy starting point that if you want to look at authority within your business and you, you believe that speaking could be part of that journey, then just go to leadersinthetrenches.com forward slash agency. Awesome. I really appreciate you setting that up. I'll make sure to get it all linked up in the show notes. And Gene, if listeners want to hear more from you personally, are you active on social media or where's the best place for them to check you out? Uh, you know, they can go to Twitter at Gene Hammett. Um, I'm on Facebook. So if you want to reach out to me there, I, d I don't accept everybody on Facebook, but I do have leaders in the trenches on Facebook. So that's a good place. And then, um, you know, checking out the podcast, leadersinthetrenches.com is a pretty good way to connect with me. Or if I'm in town, check me out at one of my speeches. Awesome. Now I'm going to make sure to get all of those resources, all those sites, everything linked up in the show notes so people can check that out, reach out to you, see what you're up to. And Gene, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, Andy. Thanks for having me here. You know, anybody that have any questions, reach out to me. I'd love to help you. Um, there's a ton of re free resources that are on this, but just go to that, uh, get that free email template. Absolutely. And again, if you if you don't have that right now, it's leadersinthetrenches.com forward slash agency. If you want to check out the show notes, there'll be a link you can just click right there. But Gene, thanks again. It was a lot of fun. Jesus says the best way he knows to increase your authority is to speak on stages where your ideal clients are in the room. And honestly, today he made a really good case for that. You give a speech that positions you as a trusted advisor and you make an invitation for them to connect with you. The clients are going to be chasing you instead of you chasing them. But when I think of speakers, a lot of times I think of people like Jay Bear and Marcus Sheridan who are on the road more often than not and doing dozens of speeches every year. Not only does that seem so far out of reach for me, but frankly, I'm not sure it's even what I want. So it was a pleasant surprise to hear Gene describe a way to use speaking to reliably grow your agency without having to spend your life on the road. If you follow his plan to establish yourself as an authority, then it's just a matter of choosing the events with the highest concentrations of your target clients rather than trying to take every single opportunity in front of you. Maybe someday you want to earn a living through your speaking alone and then a busier schedule would make sense. But for most of us, we just want to create a reliable process for growing our agency with high quality clients and the system Gene laid out today is a great way to do just that. That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free and the website is talent.hubstaff.com. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.